Hello, and welcome to the Kind of Crunchy Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Nally, and I'm on a journey to eat a little cleaner, live a little greener, and transition our conventional family farm to more regenerative practices. If you're interested in more eco-friendly tips for your home or farm as well, then you are in the right space. Stay tuned for more crunchy little bites. Hello, and welcome back to the next episode of the Kind of Crunchy podcast. Today, you're going to hear a conversation that I had with Leslie Fisher of our local Benton County Soil and Water District. She works with the local NRCS office, which is the Natural Resource and Conservation Service office. And she's helped us personally, but also has a wealth of knowledge to share with everyone Whether you are a farmer or live in an urban setting, you might actually get some good information out of this conversation. Something I wasn't aware of until we talked, that there are even programs with the soil and water districts to help those who don't live on a farm. So stay tuned, listen in for some crunchy bits of information on how we can all work together to improve our conservation practices with soil and water. Here's Leslie. I would like to let you begin, Leslie, by just sharing a little bit about how you got started with the NRCS and you know what led you to this career path. Oh, sure. So um, my background, oddly, um, actually in education was in outdoor recreation and resource management. But I okay. knew that I wanted to work outdoors and work with the public in some kind of capacity. And, um, but my interest really always lied in something with more of a kind of a community building and networking more within, you know, smaller rural communities. And that was always where I kind of had a passion. And so um, I did a little bit of environmental education and some other roles before working with Purdue um, Extension, just in the local office in a local capacity and um, realized pretty quickly that I had a heavy interest in um, kind of more of the ag sector and in the community building and education side of that. And so eventually that role led me into um, where I'm currently at. And so with the Benton County Soil and Water Conservation District, in which we work in partnership um, with several agencies, including NRCS, the Natural Resource Conservation Service and USDA. Um, But as part of that, it's interesting because the role, you know, focuses heavily on finding resources um, for conservation in many different areas and fields. But with our specialty work that we've done with our Big Pine Creek Watershed Project that we'll go into, um, that's really allowed more of the community building side of it in my interest area. Yeah. Kind of excel in that spot. So, yeah. Uh, so I actually think I first met you from the extension side when my big kids were little kids in 4-H. So yeah, yeah. that you yeah. have definitely run the gamut from uh, <laughs> the the public facing side, but anyway. Well, I, I thought it was interesting when with extension, um, I, I love extension. I sit on peak area and other things to really help promote other programs as well, but that, you know, farming is a very uh, organized, disorganized network. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, everyone has their own business and their own thing. And it's it's not like, um, you know, you have this certain mold. It's not a certain company. Everyone is their own business. But then you still need so much um, camaraderie and education. And I, I love what Extension could do and offer. And um, 
and how well received that was um, by different participants. And so it was hard to jump out of that because I really believed in extension, but with soil and water, um, there's actually, a, because it is a county-based position, there's a lot more freedom to design and direct and create programs in education specific to what the need is right at the time. So we do do a lot of our planning a year, sometimes a couple years in advance, but we can always adjust and change things to what the local needs are. So, you know, if I get um, a few people really expressing that they need a lot more work and understanding, you know, changes in soil with, you know, the addition of conservation or they're interested in, in changing from conventional tillage to no-till, I can kind of redirect that with the resources we have and find more programming and materials and offer a lot more, you know, with our conservation workshops or field days relative to what the needs are. And um, Purdue Extension is great and has so many resources, but um, it's still directed. You know, their curriculum is, is pretty specific. And so I've liked the flexibility and freedom to really kind of mold the work that we do around what the needs are in a more timely manner, I guess. Yeah, and we have talked about um, tillage practices, and we've talked about cover crops, and so can you share a little more about the the fact that it is more flexible and what type of things you have done in the community yeah. or in our county? Yeah, so um, so really, I think we could start a little further back. So um, okay. soil and water conservation districts really exist in um, and you know, 92 counties across the state of Indiana, and then um, of course across the entire country and U.S. territories as well. And the role of that is having someone local who can be there, you know, a seat in the USDA Service Center um, to really complement the federal programs that exist with our federal partners as well. And so um, the way that we we do that is you can really design a soil and water however you want. They're officially ran that with funds from the local county and then sometimes supplemental grants, but you have a board of supervisors who are elected officials and then you know, the staff. And so everyone can design that out how they want. So here, um, as I was coming into this position, um, what worked out really well is they had been trying really hard to get um, some um, supplemental funds. So we already had kind of a baseline and programming the same type of plate and educational events that we did that they found successful and were good, but we were able to bring in, um, initially it was, like $150,000 from an initial grant that spiraled and eventually now has led to 7 million additional dollars from that first set of funds, all related to a special project with um, kind of a special territory or watershed, which is our big Pine Creek watershed project. Okay. And so part of all of that, um, we have supplementally really added a lot of other programs um, because it's a hyper focus on a specific um, land area on conservation practices that improve water quality. So everything that our offices do really focus around um, some problem that exists, some natural resource concern that a farmer or landowner has, and then we have um, a, a basically a resource then to fix it, which we call conservation practices. So, you know, the most typical for this area of the country, um, they say everything can kind of be lumped into whether you're an area that gets no rain or you get a lot of rain. <laughs> Right. So a lot of what we do here is because of excess rain during and spring and fall. Um, and so, you know, people come to us with a resource concern on their land and then we find a conservation practice that fits that. So our specialty watershed project is kind of just a hyper focus because there are funds that exist for all of these practices that I can dive into a little more and get specific on. But um, but sometimes 
it's still very competitive and you can't necessarily always get funded in those areas. And so specialty yeah. projects can help kind of target the landowners and farmers in that area and bring extra funds to make sure people are funded. And so the primary things that we work with are um, tillage changes. And so if someone is conventionally tilling, which means they're um, doing full width tillage across their field, that's the official definition for like USDA, um, they could convert to doing just a strip till or to no till and there's um, funds that can help when that conversion. And so basically it's a payment that you could get for three years to help while you transition the way that you're changing your tillage with the field. And then our other um, most popular conservation practices, there's 200 plus conservation practices that we really have options for, for several different government programs. But the main ones really are the tillage changes, adding cover crops, so mm -hmm. any kind of living, growing crop that's existing in between cash crops that covers mm -hmm. the soil. Um, okay. And then nutrient and pest management plans. And so that's really working with just getting a base plan of what's going on with your field, more of an evaluation. And after you have a plan, then there's an option to implement what the plan says. And so we have a lot of people who get the plan, but then choose to implement it. Maybe they take some of the advice from it, but they don't want to implement the whole plan. And that's just fine. But those are really the core conservation practices that we're doing day in and day out. And there's okay. there's other really random ones and fun ones. Um, I think I've said that I can't wait to see, what is it, an animal mortality structures, right? It's like a, you know, like dairy cow incinerator when they pass away, right? Like, you know, there's right. all kinds of random things um, that can be funded, but across the landscape here for Northwest Central Indiana, um, that's mm -hmm. really our primary base of conservation practices that we're doing daily. With. that sounds like so much <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot but it, it's I appreciate having you here to walk us through those things and because sometimes it can feel a little overwhelming to think about changing those practices and wondering if you're doing it right or not so I appreciate having you as a as a guide <laughs> to help with those things we really I I am, um, my background being that it wasn't, I, I grew up in the area and always had an interest mm -hmm. in agriculture, but you know, I wasn't fortunate enough to get to farm. Um, mm -hmm. And so I had a, a farmer give me advice really early on when I started in this position. And I, I think it was probably the most helpful piece of information I learned when I started, because I was really jumping right into something that I had a lot to learn mm -hmm. about. But um, every approach that we take as we're working with um, clients is just to first understand where they are at Mm -hmm. their baseline of where they're at and where they want to go and then it's my goal and our, our staff's goal just to find some kind of notch upward so that could be and it is very different scale yeah. for depending on which people we could have one farmer we're working with that still three or four times a year you mm -hmm. know and our goal is just to get them just to start to till a little bit less and we have others you know who are experimenting with cover crops and you know using very little synthetic fertilizer completely different spectrum but the goal is just always to meet the farmer where they're at and to understand where they're interested in going and then to just try to encourage and find some way to help them move forward in progression in some way and that is there are so many pieces to that mm -hmm. you know and that's the community building side of it you know it's nice in this um, environment that we have here and our size of farmers and even our watershed. It's a large landmass area, um, but this area of Indiana has twice as large a farm size average than the rest of the state, um, according to like USDA's data. 
and you I know, did not know that. Yeah, so it's a lot of land, but in the grand scheme, not a lot of people. And so it's nice to get to learn families and understand what role, you know, grandpa or mom or daughter and everybody has in it and kind of understand who has interest where and then, you know, kind of find a middle ground with people. And the same goes, we do a lot of work um, only when asked because we're very, very careful in this space. But if a farm operator wants help working with their landlord or vice versa, um, you know, sometimes we have landlords who are interested in conservation, but the farm operator is not. And we don't ever want to mess with that relationship in any kind of yeah. way. You know, um, sometimes people sometimes people ask us for recommendations with other farmers, which we really don't do, but we try to find ways to help them with their conversations back and forth um, and kind of assist with whatever goal they can kind of meet in the middle on. So, which is nice because we just, just try to meet people where they are and move forward. And then collectively over time, that's really, really added up, which is exciting. So. Yeah, it is. It is. And that is important. That's something that um, you, I consider, but I didn't think of it as at first, is that, you know, some of the, some of the pieces of ground we're working with are, you know, belong to landlords and you can't just do what you want as a farmer there. You do have to have that conversation with the landlord. And that, luckily in our cases, it's all good, but I can mm -hmm. see where that could be an issue for others. So, and we, we have a lot of investment ground here too. And, you know, we have even several people who are not from the United States. We've mm -hmm. even had um, like language barrier issues, you know, with different things. And it's just fascinating right. how convoluted it can get in the relationship. But if we just start and focus on, you know, the individuals themselves involved in the operation on all sides and find out what the goals are there, um, then it makes it a lot, a lot less complicated than later down yeah. the road if we don't start there. <laughs> So. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. Start with first things first, for sure. Yeah. So you, you mentioned a little bit about the watershed and that we have several acres that are a part of that. Um, can you talk a little more about the watershed and how you did mention that you started with 150,000, I think, in funding originally, and now it's over 7 million. I had yeah. no idea. Is yeah. most of that because of the watershed? Yes. So, okay. um, so the Big Pine Creek Watershed Project, um, it basically started with the Nature Conservancy wanting to do um, some research on the fact that the Wabash um, River, out of all the rivers that are contributing to the Mississippi and down into the Gulf of Mexico, um, even though the Wabash is like less than 2% of um, land area drained into that water, in that water, larger, greater watershed in the country, it's like six, seven plus percent of all the total nutrients that are going down there. So it's mm. kind of the bad egg. <laughs> so yeah. after looking at all that data and a lot of that research started going on and all the way back in 2007, they started looking at you know rivers that needed to be worked on and where they could kind of go back to the base of that and start. Mm -hmm. um, it's obviously Benton County, Indiana and Warren County, Indiana are pretty far from the Gulf of Mexico, but you know this yeah. drainage wall still goes down there. And so um, they looked at several different sub-watersheds along that, and this area um, became one of the, kind of the finalists because we're such a high row crop ag production for land use. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's so many acres here that can be worked with, you know, that aren't out of production because of urban or other, you know, um, type of management. And sure. so after they identified a few of those types of watersheds, they then came and sought local partners. And my predecessor, who is now an ag educator, um, 
he um, showed interest because they knew they'd really need some local buy-in if they were going to be able to invest this because they want to try to kind of experiment with some different types of funds and the different ways to do projects than normally are done in these mm -hmm. settings. And so um, after finding local interest from partners kind of in this region, um, they decided to go ahead and invest the money here. And, and the creative way they were doing it is typically public funding holds the most amount of dollars. But they wanted to kind of do a hybrid and try to have a little bit more private buy-in and see how that went. So it's a project that was kind of experimental with piloting public and private dollars, specifically where we were working with an ag co-op. And so this is where Siri Solutions, our local ag co-op, and then um, Land O'Lakes, um, which now is their Trutera division, um, invested money as a, a new type of grant that came out um, federally where they could have buy-in. And so it was a private-public partnership that started a larger amount of some of our first funds. And so we had a private donor who invested to do a watershed management plan, which is basically an, it's a 200-plus manual page manual that has all of the history of any kind of research that's ever been done on fish, wildlife, water quality, um, you know, how many waste treatment facilities we have, anything, you know, how many confined animal feeding operations we have, and, you know, any issues that have ever existed. And so all of that was um, paid for by a private donor to get all of that kind of like work done and started so we had our baseline of where we were at mm -hmm. and then kind of map out our goals of where we wanted to be in this project. And so um, that initial money to pay for that watershed management plan then spiraled with pretty much everything we applied for for three to five years we got. And so it was just consistent amounts of funding which were incredible to then really get this going. But as I had mentioned, yeah. we don't have that many farmers. We have a lot of acres. Um, but so it was very important that every conversation and all the relationships that we worked with with our farmers and landowners were very careful. Because <laughs> you could, you know, if one person wasn't interested in, uh, I guess, what I would call our sales pitch, then at that point, you know, you might have lost 10,000 potential acres. And the watershed sure. is a little over 290,000 acres is the landmass area. Um, encompassing four different counties. So um, so that was kind of how it all started. And so we had to get very creative because it, it is blessing and exciting to receive all that funding, but we had to really, really um, strategize on how we were going to be able to expend those funds. You know, that mm -hmm. definitely would be considered unsuccessful if we couldn't get people to use the funds to then implement the conservation practices and ultimately change water quality for the better. So. Right. But yeah, so from there, um, we did a lot of education events, and I would say that's where my interest in the community building came in, um, because in this type of setting, um, in these towns and rural areas, everyone has some attachment to the ag community, whether they realize it or not, mm -hmm. and some people didn't know they had an interest, or and a lot of people had um, false notations about how land is farmed or how things are done or how farmers work. And so um, we really became both conservation advocates and farmer advocates to the community expressing why we were doing these funds and what people were up to. And and in the end here, well, it's not the end, we're really in the middle now at this point, but um, it's been able to grow other community members to have an interest in this and learn about it where they didn't realize it. And it's kind of something proud that we have for as a community, you know, an exciting project that there's attention and funds and some really neat things going along with it. So 
So it's kind of a snapshot. I could talk about the watershed project for a really long time, but yes, yes. and kind of what's going on, but yeah. Well, it's evident how much you have time and effort you have put into it. Um, it it's even award-winning now, right? <laughs> Yes, yes, it is. Yes, yep. Yeah, we got the, the, um, the Governor's Award for Environmental Excellence. So it's the highest state honor for um, environmental work in land use and conservation. So it's really exciting. The governor presented that and we took um, a whole slate of, um, of some farmers and partners and um, we're really proud of our, our partnership base, how many people have buy-in or some kind of role with this project. And so it was fun to show up to the state house with you know a whole big group <laughs> yeah well deserved though that's awesome yeah Great. and we have a documentary too about our work so far as well mm -hmm. so um ben massey with flatland films and um johnny clemmy with um land values and guess one ag realty had um, applied for a grant with an organization we had been working with a little more closely in the past couple of years and um, received funds and chose to do their story on, um, it had to be on like Indiana water theme um, on the work and highlighted um, several farmers and the great things that they've done and what they've overcome. So that one's been really exciting too. So Yeah, ooh, I'll have to link that in the show notes if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Is that the same one that played at the movie theater as well? Yep, yep. That's what I thought, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's just another way to show how you help get the word out in the community because I can't think of many places that would have their own spotlight of their locals at the movie theater but, but we did yeah, it was a lot <laughs> of fun i i really i mean we the project started with such a neat way of you know of using you know the private sector and public funds but um we really stuck with that and kind of um appreciating being known for having partners that would not typically work together um I mean, specifically, we can say a lot of these groups are on very opposite ends of the political base spectrum, yeah. you know, and affiliations, but, um, but we find that everyone has an interest in this, and it might not be the same interest. Um, mm -hmm. You know, some, some of our farmer groups that are associated with it um, care about, you know, maybe like Farm Bureau, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're a farmer advocate, and then we other, have other really environmental groups that are focused more specifically on, you know, the science or water quality of things, but Mm -hmm. um, but when we come together, we have a pretty consistent, solid watershed group that helps um, meet and follow along to see our progress and watch our goals and, and, you know, kind of check off that we're meeting the needs of what we're up to. And it's just a lot of fun to have that group at the table because I can't imagine many other settings where these groups would hang out together. And so we really always have a really good time with that. So, yes, yes, I would agree. But it does seem to work. It really does. Okay, you have shared so much. Um, and like you said, we could talk for hours, and I would love to. Um, but how can, just to kind of bring this full circle, how can people or farmers most likely reach out to you if they have an interest in, you know, either being part of this watershed project or just simply, you know, maybe I do want to reduce my tillage. Uh, what's the best way to reach out and get started with that? Um, they can call just direct to the Benton County Soil and Water Conservation District, and um, the process is people calling, and I mean, we have everyone from someone active farming, so from landowners to retired farmers who just like to hang out and kind of go on our educational events and have a piece in it and, you know, and share and be involved, um, to volunteers who help water test and help with several of our events. Um, 
but if you're a farmer or a landowner, you call in and we just kind of start with, okay, where is your land? What do you have going on? Um, what concerns do you have or what are your goals moving forward? And then we can work through different program options to see if that's fitting. Or if someone isn't wanting specific funds for that, we can talk about resources or find out what help or advice they need. And if it's something that our staff here, it's not in the skill set, um, because we get some pretty, pretty exciting questions. Sometimes, you know, there might be like, Geological questions, you know, some some things that might be out of our or, skill set. Or elderberries. <laughs> yes, yes, elderberries. That was one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. I'll send you uh, some more. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, we have resources where we can where we can find that. The network of uh, people associated with the watershed project and our agencies. I mean, every type of background. Um, we have someone who has some form of education in it, right? So. We laugh all the time. It's like expert of many, or what is it? Know about a lot of things, but expert in none, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Jack of all yeah. trades, master yes. in none, those sort yes, of things. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's about. That would be me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm an expert in talking to people a lot, right? But <laughs> we need that too. We need that yeah. too. But, um, but yeah. So we just kind of start with the baseline and check out where your fields are at and what you're kind of wanting to do. And we do a lot of things too with people um, where. You might have someone who says we want to do something in five years or 10 years and it's really fun i have a lot of really exciting files of our first conversation was here and you know and now five years later this is where we're at and this is where we're planning on getting and so we just can you know kind of slowly go through where people are wanting to go and help them find what they want. and see just how far you really came in five years sometimes we forget to look back don't we yeah it's it's exciting when we have a second <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to reflect, yes. right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So you did mention that I believe all 92 counties have a soil and water. Yes. So, yes. so if, if you're not in Benton County, which most people aren't, we are yeah. a small, small county, um, the rest, they can reach out to their local soil and water then and, and yep. you know, yep. work on the same watershed project, but still have other opportunities available to them. And volunteering too. I had no idea. I didn't even think about that. So. Yep. Yep, all kinds of events. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Well, is there anything that I didn't ask or didn't touch on that you would like to share before we wrap this up today? Um, I think the biggest thing that I would want to share with just kind of having the opportunity to have this little platform from you today yeah. is the importance of stopping and taking time to think about where you want to go with your land. And this applies to everyone, landowner, mm -hmm. person. I mean, there's our offices exist to help people in urban settings as well. Um, but people don't realize that there's a major difference in people and how far they excel on the time I've watched and even families and friends with their farmland is mm -hmm. that taking a little bit of time once a year, a couple times a year to sit down and thinking about where you're going and then reaching out to ask for help with steps towards that makes a completely different, a complete difference in watching families and how successful they are on their farmland. You know, we have a lot of people who've said they've wanted to do that for 20, 30 years. And, you know, your soil health changes pretty quickly once you start um, adding in some of these conservation practices. And it can have a huge economic difference and even a pride factor on how you care for and steward your land if you just take a little bit of time to pause and plan and ask for people's help. So I think that's my biggest thing I'll say gets across. I think that is a great point, and I would agree. I mean, a, a big reason why I started looking into this was for our three kids, and you know, I want to make sure that that 
land is still there for them when it's their turn, should they choose to you know, live and work on the farm, or even if they don't, um, it, it, I want to leave it better than we have it now. Um, yeah. But it, that is interesting. I didn't think about the fact that um, soil and water is also there for urban homes as well. And yep. so that that's something to highlight, I think. And I'll spread the word on that. Have, have you had any? Very few. Okay. Very few. A little bit of rain barrels and some pollinator um, planting requests, kind of a rain okay. garden. And so um, the difference from urban to more of our rural work basically is a lot of times you're working with um, hard surfaces. And so you're wanting to find ways to reduce water runoff into, um, you know, septics mm -hmm. or sewer drains because cumulative water runoff ends up creating larger problems. And so mm -hmm. when you can use the water that comes onto your land, no matter how big that is, yeah. and find ways to help naturally infiltrate that better, um, it just can reduce so much in the long run upstream. Awesome. I love that. I do. Great. Well, Leslie, thank you so, so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. You've been a wealth of knowledge and I know there's more we could talk about. So we may have to do this again. <laughs> Sounds good. But, all right. Well, thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you got some crunchy bits of info from Leslie and the award-winning practices that uh, they've been working with here with the Big Pine Watershed and um, helping people implement some conservation practices on their farms or even in an urban setting. If you would like more information, check the show notes. I have links for the Indiana Association of Soil and Water Conservation Districts, for the Indiana Conservation Partnership, and also a link to the Facebook page for the Big Pine Watershed, which is the really special project that is happening in our area. And for those of you who aren't local to Indiana, there are many soil and water districts throughout the United States. So do a search and see what you can find in your area. If you are a farmer looking to improve your practices, or if you are a volunteer looking for a conservation project where you might be able to assist. And as always, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast if you enjoyed it. Because every time you do, it's a chance for someone else to hear this message and live a little cleaner, which helps us all. Thank you.